0: This is day 16 of our daily Bible reading. We will be completing Exodus chapters 11 through 14 and Psalm chapter 16. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our deliverer. Thousands of years ago, Lord, you rescued Israel from its plight. And yet even today, Lord, you are our Redeemer. And we know that our Redeemer lives. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you for having mercy and compassion on your people that you have called to yourself. May we serve you with a whole heart today. May we not be distracted by the things of this world. May we take you at your word. Please help us to be obedient children that you've called to your kingdom. Please bless the reading of this word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the Lord said to Moses, One more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people, that each man ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who, who is behind the millstones, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before, and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you and the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month they are each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households a lamb for each household now if the household is too small for a lamb then he or his neighbor nearby to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them according to what each man should eat you are to divide the lamb your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs, along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Now you shall eat it in this manner, with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now this day will be a memorial to you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats anything leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall have a holy assembly, and another holy assembly on the seventh day. No work at all shall be done on them, except what must be eaten by every person that alone may be prepared by you. You shall also observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a permanent ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread, until the twenty first day of the month, at evening. Seven days there shall be no leaven found in your houses. For whoever eats what is leavened, that person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is an alien or a native of the land. You shall not eat anything leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and take for yourselves lambs, according to your families, and slay the Passover lamb. You shall take a bunch of hyssop, and dip it in the blood which is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and the two doorposts, and none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, What does this rite mean to you? You shall say, It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh arose in the night, he and all his servants, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night, and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go, worship the Lord, as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go, and bless me also. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We will all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was even leavened, with their kneading bowls bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now the sons of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, aside from children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, along with flocks and herds, a very large number of livestock. They baked the dough which they had brought out of Egypt into cakes of unleavened bread for it had not become leavened since they were driven out of egypt and could not delay nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves now the time that the sons of israel lived in egypt was 430 years and at the end of 430 years to the very day all the hosts of the lord went out from the land of egypt it is a night to be observed for the lord for having brought them out from the land of Egypt. This night is for the Lord, to be observed by all the sons of Israel throughout their generations. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. But every man's slave purchased with money, after you have circumcised him, then he may eat of it. A sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat of it. It is to be eaten in a single house. You are not to bring forth any of the flesh outside of the house, nor are you to break any bone of it. All the congregation of Israel are to celebrate this. But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised, and then let him come near to celebrate it and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. And all the sons of Israel did so. They did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that same day, the Lord brought the sons of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying, Sanctify to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of man and beast; it belongs to me." Moses said to the people, "Remember this day in which you went out from Egypt, from the house of slavery; for by a powerful hand the Lord brought you out from this place, and nothing leavened shall be eaten. On this day, in the month of Abib, you are about to go forth. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall observe this rite in this month. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten throughout the seven days, and nothing leavened shall be seen among you, nor shall any leaven be seen among you in all your borders. You shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall serve as a sign to you on your hand, and as a reminder on your forehead, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. Therefore you shall keep this ordinance at its appointed time from year to year. Now when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanite, as he swore to you and to your fathers, and gives it to you, you shall devote to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, and the first offspring of every beast that you own. The males belong to the Lord. But every first offspring of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. But if you do not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. And it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, What is this that you shall say to them? With a powerful hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, from the house of slavery. It came about, when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first offspring of every womb, but every firstborn of my sons I redeem. So it shall serve as a sign on your hand, and as phylacteries on your forehead. For with a powerful hand the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Now when Pharaoh had let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, even though it was near. For God said, The people might change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. Hence God led the people around by the way of the wilderness to the Red Sea, and the sons of Israel went up in martial array from the land of Egypt. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones from here with you. Then they set out from Succoth, Encamped in Etham, on the edge of the wilderness. The Lord was going before them, in a pillar of cloud by day, to lead them on the way, and in a pillar of fire by night, to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, from before the people. Now the Lord said to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Pi-Hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. And you shall camp in front of Baal zaphon opposite it, by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land, the wilderness has shut them in. Thus I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will chase after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready, and took his people with him. And he took six hundred select chariots, and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pi-hahiroth, in front of Baal-zaphon. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you remain silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it and the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry land. As for me, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they will go in after them, and I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord, when I am honored through Pharaoh, through his chariots and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been going before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them, and a pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel, and there was the cloud along with the darkness, yet it gave light at night. Thus the one did not come near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and turned the sea into dry land. So the waters were divided. The sons of Israel went through the midst of the sea on the dry land, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Then the Egyptians took up the pursuit. And all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen went in after them into the midst of the sea. At the morning watch, the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and brought the army of the Egyptians into confusion. He caused their chariot wheels to swerve, and he made them drive with difficulty. So the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians, over their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal state at daybreak, while the Egyptians were fleeing right into it. Then the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen, even Pharaoh's entire army that had gone into the sea after them. Not even one of them remained. So the sons of Israel walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, and the waters were like a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Psalm chapter 16, A Miktam of David Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good besides you. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrow of those who bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me, because He is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. All right, let's go through a brief commentary on what we read today. Chapter 11 introduced the 10th and final plague that God was going to inflict on Egypt, and that was the plague of death, and specifically the death of the firstborn. And in the midst of what God is doing in pronouncing this plague, he is also instituting some standards and some ordinances for Israel at the same time. We see that in chapter 12, where, for one, he institutes the beginning of the Jewish calendar, in which the month of Abib is the beginning of the Jewish calendar, which, compared to our calendar, is between March and April. So, in the Jewish calendar, somewhere between March and April is what we call the month of Abib. That is considered like their January, so to speak. The way that they tracked their calendar was very different from the one that we have today, because ours, if I'm not mistaken, is of Roman origin. And so very different timekeeping than what we see in Israel. But ultimately it's the same concept where there's 12 months, there's so many days in the month. That much hasn't changed. It's just the difference of where dates fall on their calendar versus ours. So, we see the institution of the calendar system for the Jewish people. But then he introduces their most important ordinance, which is the Passover. Now, if you have read ahead into the New Testament, you understand that the Passover is a foreshadowing, it is a sneak preview of what Jesus Christ is coming to do. There are a few important things that we have to understand about this Passover event. So for one, it says that each household is supposed to take a lamb that is unblemished. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, and he is unblemished, meaning that he is without sin. When they are to eat this lamb, it is to be roasted with fire with bitter herbs. And the reason this is significant is because fire is symbolically it means a purification, meaning that we are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. and also signifies how sin causes us to burn. It causes us to be caught into hellfire if we were to allow sin to reign in our bodies. So there's a dual purpose in that as well. But why bitter herbs? Why wouldn't they want a tastier meal? Well, because of what the Lamb represents. It says that you're supposed to pick this lamb and it's supposed to live in your house for a few days. It's supposed to be among you. And so when it's time for you to slaughter that lamb, it means more to you than just something you picked out on the field. You had it in your house, almost like a pet, for a few days. You start developing bonds with it. You start seeing that this is more than just a regular animal. Think about what Jesus did when he began his earthly ministry. He didn't go straight to the cross once he announced that he was going to start his ministry at the age of 30. No, he took on disciples and he was with his people for three years before he went to the cross. That's the same illustration that we're seeing here. The Lamb was among his people for so many days. And so when Jesus died, it was a very bitter event. They thought that everything he had said didn't happen. There were some that thought that he wasn't supposed to die, that he was supposed to be the conqueror of the Roman Empire. They thought that he was going to be a political Messiah. And so when he died, things felt hopeless. They thought that death was the end. And yet we know what happened, that he rose from the dead, and that he conquered death for all time. But this is back in the Old Testament, signifying what Christ was going to do in the New Testament. Then it mentions how the blood is put over the house to protect the home from the angel of death. The blood of the Lamb is what cleanses us from all unrighteousness. When you are saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, You are no longer going to die a spiritual death. You will live forever with God in heaven. And so that's kind of what it's illustrating here as well, is that the blood of the lamb is what saves you. In this way, the lamb literally saved them when they put it on the household. And so it's the same with us. Our temple, our body, is safe because of what Christ has done for us then it mentions that they are to eat it with unleavened bread now in the jewish context leaven is the same thing as yeast but in a spiritual application yeast is often compared to sin because sin puffs you up it inflates you it causes you to be larger than life and it causes you to be larger than you should be by elevating yourself to a level you don't belong but instead God wants us to be laid low. He wants us to understand that without God, we are nothing. And so with that context, it makes more sense as to why God took so much importance in removing all leaven from their lives. He wanted it completely taken out of their homes, not even a little bit being used. And if you did use it, you were cut off from Israel, meaning you were basically excommunicated from the community you were a social pariah. Why did he do that? Because he wants no sin among us at all. The ordinances of God are pure and holy, and Christ is able to cleanse us from all of our sins. But at the same time, there is a personal responsibility that we each have as Christians, right? We are responsible to use our free will correctly in choosing to obey God and to refuse to sin as much as possible. This is what was all instituted in the Passover. This is what the spiritual understanding of this was intended to be. It was not fully understood until we see it come into full view through Christ. But this is what was intended all along. God instructed the people of Israel to celebrate this every year without fail. And one more thing about it is very interesting as well that they are supposed to eat it quickly, and they are fully clothed. They have their loins girded, meaning that they have set up their clothing in such a way where they're ready to run. They have their staff in their hand, their sandals on their feet, as if they are ready to rush out the door. This symbolizes the haste in which they left Egypt. It happened overnight. And as we saw near the end of chapter 12, it said that the camp of Israel was 600,000 men. Not talking about women, not talking about children. 600,000 men. So that's why it's safe to say that the real camp of Israel in its entirety was probably between one and a half to two million people marching out of this country. That is amazing to think about. So as the story goes, God inflicted the plague on Egypt. None of Israel was harmed because they were obedient to the commands of God on this. But all of Egypt suffered loss somewhere. Even the household of Pharaoh suffered loss. His firstborn son died, as Moses had said. And then Pharaoh finally had enough. He said, you know what? Just get out of here. If we keep you guys around, we're just all going to die. So go ahead and leave, and I never want to see you all again. Now, for the rest of chapter 12 and the beginning of chapter 13, God is explaining the ordinance of the Passover to them. And only those that belong to the community of Israel are allowed to partake of it. This reminds me of communion, or the Lord's Supper. Only those that have been saved are supposed to participate in that ordinance. Only those who have been saved are allowed to partake of the Lord's Supper. So I see some similarities in that ordinance to what we see here in the Passover. But additionally, it says that you are not to break a single bone in the Lamb's body. And this is to signify how when Christ was crucified, they never had to break any bone on Him. When a crucifixion gets to be too long, they come and they break the legs of the people hanging on the cross in order for them to die faster, since they can't prop themselves up with their feet anymore. But they didn't have to do that with Christ, because after he had completed what he came to do, he yielded up his spirit, and by the time they came to him, he was already dead. They didn't kill him. Let's be clear about that. God willingly allowed his son to to die, and Jesus willingly gave up his spirit. He was in complete control the whole time. They never killed him. I have heard people say that the Jewish people should be treated poorly because they killed our Messiah. They didn't kill him. Yes, they put him on that cross, but they didn't kill him. Jesus himself yielded up his spirit. He allowed his spirit to leave his body by his own volition so now that they have instituted the passover god has also expected the people to dedicate their firstborn so all those that are firstborn are to be dedicated to the lord at the temple the only animal that's mentioned here that is an exception to the rule is the donkey because the donkey was considered to be an unclean animal in the book of leviticus which we'll do later and so it could not be sacrificed to God. Therefore, to substitute it, they would use a lamb to dedicate. And again, this idea of substitution is going to be something that is very prevalent throughout all the Scripture. The lamb was a substitute that God accepted for the death of someone else. In the same way, Jesus Christ sacrificed himself so, you didn't have to die. Your sin condemned you to death. We all deserve to die because of our sin. But because Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all of our unrighteousness through his blood, then God now sees us to be clean in his sight. We have a form of perfection in the sight of God, positionally. We are not perfect, we know that, but yet the blood of Christ is perfect. Jesus is now our representative. He died on our behalf. And so God accepted that sacrifice, and he sees us through Christ. And because he loves his son, he loves us. What a beautiful illustration of what we call propitiation in the Old Testament. The idea that something or someone is an acceptable substitute For our sins. And in this case, we have the lamb that is a substitute for their sin. And when we go further into the law of Moses, we're going to see that there are going to be certain rituals in place where they have to do certain things in order to be forgiven for certain sins. And praise God, we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus did it all, and so we require no more sacrifices. And so God requires no more sacrifices for the rest of time. Now in chapter 14, as we go to the famous passage of parting the Red Sea, there's a couple of things that we need to notice here. For one, it says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh again to pursue Israel. So God wasn't done with Egypt just yet. He still wanted to put the final nail in the coffin, so to speak. He wanted all parties involved, Israel and Egypt, to have no doubt in their mind that all of this was orchestrated by God, and God had complete sovereignty over all the situation. So Egypt assembled all their chariots and all their officers to pursue Israel. And at first it seems like the Israelites are on board with everything, right? They're going through the Passover, they went to people's houses and got gold and silver, they left the land, but then when they come to the Red Sea and they show that they are completely blocked off, that they are are soon to be surrounded by the Egyptians, then they start getting really scared. They start what is going to be a series of complaints against God. They are now blaming Moses and God that they're not to be saved. They were brought out of Egypt to die. And so they complain, and they throw up their hands, and say that it was all a plan just to kill them. And you see Moses do the right thing. He defends the Lord and his own integrity. And when you look at his response, you would come to the conclusion that he was confident in what God was going to do. You would ascertain that Moses had everything under control. But really, that's not what happened. How do I know this? Because after he tells the Israelites to keep quiet, to stand by and watch the salvation of the Lord, then look at what the Lord says to Moses. He says, why are you crying out to me? He's looking at Moses's heart. And while he did speak appropriately to the people, he's got his own doubts in his heart. Why are you crying out to me? Tell them to go forward. We'll take care of this. And so he gives Moses the next instruction. And Moses is able to part the Red Sea. And they cross on dry land. We all know the story. And while the movies are not exactly accurate to the biblical account, that illustration is pretty darn close. The Egyptians see it happen, and they don't stop. They are so set in destroying Israel that they're willing to go into the middle of the sea where you look on both sides of you and there's a wall of water around you. They don't seem to care. Until they get into the middle of it. And that's when God confuses their wheels, they start losing control of things, they get confused, and then people are like, oh no, we're doomed, we need to get out of here. But nope, it was too late. The Lord told Moses to put the water down, and they put the water down, it crashed upon the Egyptians, and they all died. And you want to know something amazing? Within the last 50 years, we have found the exact place where it happened. There is, in the Red Sea, at a certain part that is geographically accurate to the Bible account, that there is a pile of chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea, including one chariot that clearly has the markings of Pharaoh on it. How amazing is that? It is all true. This is not just a fanciful book of fiction. This is reality. This is history. God is real. What he is doing here is real. These miracles really happened, even though you can't explain them. That is why they're called miracles, because they are of a supernatural nature, things that don't normally occur in everyday life. God is who he has claimed he is. And even the people of Israel saw it and believed and feared the Lord, even if it was just for a short time. But they saw it and they were completely convinced that there was a God and that He was for them. Don't forget that God is for you as well and that He still works miracles today. They're not as fancy and as visual as they used to be, but there are so many miracles in even our own daily lives that we'd take for granted. Miracles still happen, and don't ever forget that. Perhaps we don't see enough miracles in our day because we don't pray for them. We don't ask God to perform miracles. Not that he's a genie in a bottle, that's not what I'm saying. But if you are serious about praying for healing, God will heal you. If you are praying for the salvation of our nation, God will answer. He may say no, or He may say it's not time yet, but He will answer. Have we even asked God to perform miracles in our day? And I can say the majority of us have not. And that would make sense with what happened in the New Testament. It says that Jesus chose not to do a lot of miracles in certain places because of their unbelief. So no wonder we don't see miracles today, because so many of us have a spirit of unbelief. I sincerely think that's the case. But anyway, Psalm chapter 16, which is a song of trust by David, is where he declares that he is trusting in the Lord to be his portion. And when you use the term portion here, we're talking about the allotment of inheritance that someone was going to get when their father or mother died. So in this case, he understands what his inheritance is in God. He knows that God is going to preserve him. You see that through the way it's written here. It says that God is going to support him, that his heritage is beautiful to him. The Lord is going to counsel and bless him, But the reason why God is going to bless him is because he has made his mind up to do something. He says here in verse 8 that he has set the Lord continually before him. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. He chose to include God in every aspect of his life. Many of us today are going to go through this Bible reading that we're doing right now, and then not do anything with God the rest of the day. We're going to leave him here in our chairs or in our homes. But I hope we can understand that is not what God intends for us. He wants us to take him with us everywhere we go, to include him in all of our activities, to openly share who he is and express joy in our lives to the lost world that's what he intends for us. And it's no wonder that it's called a covenant. It is a contract, an agreement between two parties. He wants you to be his friend as well. He wants to have intimacy with you like close friends do. He wants to be with you. He wants you to be with him. And together, he makes you a better person. With him at your side, at your right hand, like it says here, in the hand of your strength, you can be more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what it means to have communion with God. That's what it means to seek him. David understood that. So he rejoices in how he made that decision, and God is blessing him through it. He has confidence in what God is able to do. And it says specifically in verse 10 that he will not allow my soul to go to Sheol, which is the grave. He understands that God is going to preserve his soul forever. And then it also says that he will not allow his Holy One to undergo decay. He's talking about Jesus Christ here. This is a prophecy that God the Father is not going to allow God the Son to stay dead, that he will rise again on the third day. So David understood the heart of God and what he had promised that he was going to do. And he knew he would see it through to the end. And indeed he did. And God is still doing that today. He still preserves people's lives. He still brings joy inexpressible. And we can rest assured that everything God says is true. He is worthy of being trusted. Our verse to memorize today is going to be Psalm chapter 16, verse 8. I have set the Lord continually before me, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. And with that, that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.